After fleeing the tribunal of the gods, the party linked themselves to their patron ethereals and made their way out into the shattered world Agadon, seeking the shrine at the top of the tallest peak, the crown of Agadon, where they could use the heart of the void and change reality. Far outside the city of Mainstay, the party finds themselves awakening on a new day. Smoke, acrid, thick, already clogs the air above the canopies. And as the party moves through the forests and back onto the roadways and the hills that make up this fellish kingdom, there's a sorry sight ahead of you. Can we see the crown of Egadon, like, as any existence on the horizon? Like, can we even physically see it, or is it just so far removed in the distance that we just kind of have to decide on a direction and head there? No, it's actually kind of a point in space within the fell that you can almost see from anywhere. Now that you've taken a good walk outside of Mainstay and are a bit more into the fell kingdom and its central reaches, you can see the mountain peak on the horizon, though it is shrouded in fog and smoke. Well, it's at least a fairly straight shot. We just keep that always on our horizon. Although, and, you know, just noticing all of this very bleak setting around them, the, the smoke, the occasional pillaged wagon or something on the side of the road that they see, Rolandir just kind of tightens up any pieces of armor that he has on him, straightens up his weapons on his back. I don't suppose we'll meet too many folks along the road. I don't imagine it's really that safe for anyone, aside from those who may wish us harm, but I would have thought we would have met at least someone by now. And he's kind of looking, you know, up the road behind them and now turning to Val. He says, how many Alvarette were there before much of this happened? Let's say when you left your hometown. I don't feel I had ever a good grasp on really how they compared to Elfkin or Mazkin. Well, we did not really associate outside of our own circles, so... At the time, they would have made up perhaps 5% of the kin population. Still enough that I suppose a war of this scale and whatever other destruction has happened would be quite disturbing for them, no matter how hard they tried to stay removed from the rest of society. They are not fighters, so... Is there a place that they would have gone? A separate... I know the Mazkin have their monasteries, where they probably are still removed from everything else, but how do you think they're faring now? Very poorly, if I had to guess. I I would assume that they just sort of scattered to the winds. We're not particularly resourceful people in our natural habitat. Perhaps the remnants of those who we find along the way, or after this whole thing is over, you can show them a thing or two about resourcefulness. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> they did not like me very much, so that remains to be seen. <laughs> Rolander just kind of gives a half-hearted grin and continues walking. As you walk along for a good while in mixed conversation and silence, you come upon a small fork in the road where a leaning signpost denotes Mainstay, Bastion, and a few other cities and places of note in the near and far distance. A little ways past this fork, there's a tree. A large, like, huge oak that's been stripped of most of its leaves and hanging from its decrepit, almost Cindered branches are a number of hanged individuals. They all seem to bear human resemblance, but the bodies have been either mutilated or burned to such a degree that 
a cursory inspection, it's impossible to tell. Not a very inviting place, is it? No. I think we'll be hard-pressed to find any inviting place along this path. We were already gone for quite some time before the, the whole episode with the gods happened, but what with the island and all, things are different now, obviously. I can't say for certain how much time exactly has passed since we left the Twilight Eternal and came back to here, but it's obviously not the same Egadon. Not a familiar one, at least. It is weighing on me. I mean, I keep thinking about it. This war with the kin, the contentions that existed, centuries long. And as far as I can tell, both from my time with the humans and with the kin, the lines remained fairly steady. Some ground moved here or there, but the major anchor cities of the humans never saw anything like this. And then we show up and in a matter of months, and he just kind of motions around him. The longer we go on, I have a harder time thinking that this is worth it currently for many of these people. Well, Luna says, looking around, you heard what the gods said. We were speaking with them just barely. Lomira mentioned there were realities on the face of this planet joining with armies and with Vale and Egg and Air all moving against each other and us. I fear everyone, Egadon itself, is just caught in the middle. Uh, if anything, the best course of action would be just to get to the crown of Egadon as quickly as possible, while there's still an Egadon to even remake. And as they kind of approach this tree and maybe are moving past it, Rolander's eyes just have stayed on the bodies hanging for quite some time, and then he looks to Luna and just nods his head. Yes. Yes. Ah. <sighs> How long do you suppose it'll take to get there? It could be weeks. The pace we're going, the distance we have to travel. Without using intent and with just our feet, I can't rightly say. I've never really... And it's at this moment that the leaves, this big bed of leaves all around your feet starts to kind of shift. And almost like a snake moving between Luna's legs and one moving between Rolandier's, these snares rip around your ankles and hoist you, dragging you through these leaves and up toward this tree. Val, Brynir, Vamok, and Mick, why don't you make dexterity saving throws? Okay. You get plus five. Thanks. 18 for Val. 18 for Vamok. Mick rolled a 29. That's going to be a 23. I only Brynir and Mick are able to dodge these snares. Val and Vamok are ripped off their feet and join Luna and Rolandir as they're yanked along the ground and start to rise up to this tree. Are we like continually rising or is it like we go up like 20 feet and then stop? It's it's you're being pulled along the ground through these leaves and then you start to be pulled up. Once you reach the base of the tree, you'd start to be pulled up oh. under its branches by your feet. Okay. Can Rolandir swishle swashle with his sword? <laughs> I mean... No. <laughs> Mick is actually going to lurch forward and will try to grab the closest person to her that is going up into the tree. So uh, that would be Val. Grab away. Yes, we'll grab, I assume, Val's flailing hands and we'll try to <laughs> grab <laughs> try to get a His noodle arms. His little nasty old noodle arms, sweaty palm Val. 
You dislocate his shoulder. <laughs> you grab onto his arm, and it just slips right through like a greased wiener. Oh. <laughs> You no. gotta stop saying greased oh. wiener. Have you said that before? Yeah. That's amazing. Keep it going. I hate it so much. Vile. I just want everybody to know that when I say wiener, I'm talking about a hot dog. In all sincerity, okay. I'm talking like, it's always a Vienna sausage. <laughs> okay, so I get Val's like little car inflatable arms, whatever, and I start to grab <laughs> Why is everyone so mean to my poor boy? No, come on. He has a body of Gumby. <laughs> <laughs> this is after he got beefed up by Yakuda. <laughs> he also has always had a strength score of 12. He's above average in strength. He's not that small. If allowed, Brynir would like to do a, a similar action to the person closest to him getting oh, that taken. would be Vamok. Let's go, V-Man. Alright, so as Mick grabs onto Val and Brynir grabs onto Vamok, what are your just strength scores as is? What are they? 20. And yours, Chris? Um, mine's 12. Brynir is able to dig his feet in a little as he's pulled along with Vamok who's being hoisted up. Meanwhile, Val joins Rolandir and Luna who are now hanging down from these branches and Mick, you're just holding on to Val's arms upside down, and your feet are maybe like <laughs> three, four feet off the ground. Having been caught by Brynir, can Vamok take out one of the two daggers that he has had since day one and try to cut this rope? <laughs> yeah, you can try. Well, roll dexterity. Okay. I rolled an 11 on that check. Well, it takes a long time to cut through a rope, mm. especially one this thick. So Princess Bride sawed at it for a while. Yeah, especially with a dagger, which is made for stabbing. Anywho. <laughs> I'm not contesting it. I'm not. <laughs> well, then, Brynir needs to make a decision whether or not you're going to be hoisted up with Vamok or not, because in two seconds you will be. Uh, can he slash with the sword or no? No. He's going to let Vamok go. <laughs> and Vamok slingshots up the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and just... <laughs> Whammo! Actually, Vamok down for the count. That, that sets him free. He just goes flying in the other direction. Uh... <laughs> no. As Brynir is now the only one still standing on the ground, the others have been hoisted into the tree with Mick hanging down from Val's arms if she is still doing so. Other piles of leaves and such rustle and some armored figures do emerge from around the tree. About a dozen of them. We do not have time for this. If Mick hasn't been swirled in this conundrum... You have not been snared, no. Okay, great. Mick is actually going to drop down, realizing that it's kind of a, a fool's hope to get Val down at this point. You look up at Val. I'm sorry, Bob. And then you let him go and you fall <laughs> three feet. Ta-ta for now. <laughs> and Mick will come down and will kind of be at the ready for these figures that have just appeared. Mick and Brynir, who are almost back to back, these figures who encircle you start to come forward. They're wearing boiled leather armor, dyed black. Their faces are mostly obscured, but then one of them steps forward and looking at the lot of you just with the cock of his head, and he's like, Mazkin and Elvaret human. <laughs> Interesting catch. And he removes his helmet, and you see the face of a sanguine. 
an incredibly pale humanoid skin, almost translucent to the point where you can see the blood flow on the most surface level capillaries. Eyes red and slit. No ears, but simply three small holes on the sides of his head where ears would be. And he looks at the lot of you again, just like tisking and says, what an interesting catch indeed. What have we stumbled upon here? Tell me, you all, what are your intentions? Honestly, I don't know that you could comprehend them if we told you. After Val says that, Rolander, who kind of like hit his head a little bit as he was being dragged across the ground <laughs> and then hoisted up, he's just kind of hearing this voice and he's like doing that slow rotation thing while he's hanging in the air. And he, and he, a little rotisserie chicken. And he, and he rotates and he sees the Sanguine's face after he's taken off his mask. And after Val says, you know, I don't know if you'd comprehend it, he holds out his hand that Sindor had given him given him the now Sanguine-esque hand, and he just says, but I'd love to try to tell you. Getting down would be a good first step. A few of them exchange some glances and some unheard words, and then with a nod of his head, the ropes just <sighs> unravel from the tree branches, and a lot of you who were held aloft fall Ten feet straight down. Ouch. Onto our heads. <laughs> and you're all of our next break, and we're well, dead. Well, <laughs> Mick and Bernier broke the falls at least two of you, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't have to take any damage, but you all get kind of cricks in your necks and your legs and whatever you happen to land on. Sitting in this pile of leaves, kind of rubbing his neck, giving his head a few twists, Rolandier stands up slowly and extends the hand that he had kind of reached out to this presumably leader of this group and just says, I'm Rolander, and you are? He shakes your sanguine hand with his sanguine hand, and he says, I am Quelcheles Zelgaxto. And that's a very comfortable-sounding name to Rolandier because he can speak <laughs> the sanguine language, but Brett cannot. From this point forward, now that he's interacting with Rolandier... Everything he says is going to be in the Sanguine Tongue. So if you can't understand the Sanguine Tongue, you're out of luck. Yep. <laughs> okay. At this point, Brynir is going to speak to Rolandir. Can you understand them? <laughs> and Rolandir chuckles a little bit. <laughs> yes, Brynir, I can. The Sanguine, uh, well, Sindor is, uh, and he just holds up his little fingers and wiggles them a little bit. He is the creator of the Sanguine. And I'm very aware of that fact. Does not mean that you learn a language overnight. Hmm. Depends. <laughs> Val rolls his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and briefly turning back to the Quell, and he says, This group seeks to reach the crown of Egadon. We have no other means currently. Aside from, and he just looks down at his feet, well, walking. I hope that whatever intentions you had had, now pointing up to the tree, we can depart amicably. We are not the ones who perform such actions, no. In fact, we set out here to dissuade those who might follow in their footsteps. 
you see this crossroads and the surrounding countryside has been a haven ever since the war came in earnest to bands of, well, the most ill kind of men. Luna, who is kind of rolling her shoulder, will take a step forward into this fray and looking up at Rolandir, what is he saying exactly? Are they going to help us? Facing back to Quell, briefly, apologies, my comrades are not familiar with our tongue. Would it burden you to perhaps speak fellish? In truth, it would, but I will do my best. And now turning back to Luna, uh, we're just getting to the crux of that, actually. It wasn't these folk who tied us up. It's bandits, people who are seizing on the opportunities of wartime and the chaos that ensues, but it now turning back to Quell, what is it exactly that you and your group are doing? Well, um, he looks to his group, and it's the first time maybe you've seen a sanguine blush. He doesn't quite know how to answer this. Uh, we were... I don't want to say sport hunting. It is not the same as, say, chasing an elk or whatnot, or a, a scat through the deep warrens. But we were simply looking for your kind. Well, I guess not your kind, but your kind. He looks to Brynir and Luna and Mick. Ones who would seek to harm others and simply remove them from, well their capability of doing such. Uh, believe you me, uh, I can understand if you think our intentions are less than noble, but I assure you we have only, well, the noblest of intentions. <laughs> I'm sorry, Felish is not my mother tongue. It's quite all right. I, at least, am in no place to judge here. Uh, to be honest, we should be on our way. We don't have any intentions to hinder you or really burden you with our time anymore. If it's quite alright, we can continue on our way. Uh, perhaps you can, yes. Uh, though perhaps you yourselves may assist us in exchange for free passage, of course. You see, we have problems of our own that uh, we are unable to overcome. Not as a simple band as we are. The lot of you... Uh, I gather from just your presence. You seem a... What is the expression? A cut above? That is the expression, but whether we are or not remains to be seen. Perhaps. Though you yourself possess some uncanny qualities, and you travel with a manskin, an elvaret, an emer, a demlik, and one of the fell folk. A strange company you all keep. Stranger still in times such as these, when things have become ever more so... And then he turns to one of his companions, says something in sanguine, and then turns back to you. Stratified. What is it you would have us do? There is a particularly troublesome group of marauders and thieves and rapers that have found themselves taken up a small fortress of sorts, a ways southwest of here, where the woods grow deep and tall. This is not our territory. It is... Uh, we do not take a liking to the forests and such. Strange, though we prefer the tunnels of the earth and the underground. We are 
more comfortable here in the open air than we are confined in those green prisons. They have set up many traps that have taken the lives of a number of my company. And many of those who would travel along these roads also fall prey to them, whether they be soldiers or no. This lot, I think, are a group of... And he again turns to one of his compatriots, says something in Sanguine, and then turns back to you. Deserters from the war. Legions of Fel and Ymir and Tail and Demlik passed through here long ago, some months past now, after the sacking of Mainstay. I think these are perhaps some of those who, I would not say lost hope, but perhaps gained a purpose and one that has no place in this world. And of these marauders, what would you have us to do to take care of them? I would simply ask that you imprison them for a time being, and then my company can come and uh, do what we do best to them. I will not bore you with the uh, excruciating details. Do you specifically target mercenaries and marauders, or do you attack civilians as well? We take sometimes from those who have to help those who do not have. And sometimes we ourselves are those who do not have. Though in those exchanges, there is no violence involved. And we always leave them with enough to get on their way to the next safe haven. Do you happen to know if there is currently someone who is winning this war? I do not. No. We are what you would simply call, uh, perhaps... And again, he turns to one of his compatriots, and then back to Val. Opportunists. Vigilantes, perhaps. Scavengers? Hmm. A base word, but if it fits. Looking back at, namely, Val and Brynir, Rolandier just shoots them a look of kind of stern intensity, but like, it's hard to describe what he just kind of nods while looking at them. <laughs> like, let's go along with this. And he turns back to, uh, to Quell. Well, as luck would have it, that's actually the direction we are heading. If we see them, we will do as you ask. You have my word. If they have buried themselves so deeply that we cannot find them within a reasonable amount of timing, we must continue on our way. I'm afraid I must ask you to swear to it. And he holds out his hand for you. As soon as he says that, Rolander sticks out his hand. I swear to it. As you say that and clasp his hand, his middle and index finger kind of just tap on your wrist. And you can feel like as if there's something worming under your skin. And this little sigil of like blood rises from your pores and then just sets in almost like a tattoo. Do you know of any means of transportation in the area? Some horses, perhaps? Without shifting his eyes off of Rolandir, he just says, I am sure the bandits have uh, many a ways to get around. And while you're at it, you wouldn't mind telling your buddies that we mean no harm, so that we might have safe passage on our journey, hmm? 
Oh, we are the only of our <laughs> ilk here. No worries. You will not see another sanguine such as myself. Smashing. Thank you. At least from my company. I cannot guarantee that there are not others that have been disturbed from the deep and have come to see what all Zarakis is about. Well, we'll cross that path when we come to it. That you shall. That you shall. Now, please, we will uh, tidy up around here. You never know who will come through this trap next. And why don't you be on your ways good and quick now, yes? Let us go. And Rolander gives Quell a stern nod and carries on his way. You head off in the southwesterly direction, taking this road. It's filled with potholes and it's been disturbed many a time lately. Old and new footprints. It's nowhere near in the state of repair that it used to be before this conflict came this way. And so it's not exactly smooth sailing. As they're walking, Rolandir's kind of opening and closing his right hand, looking at the this blood sigil that's marked on his wrist. Is he able to, not any sort of like intent investigation-wise, but just utilizing whatever blood magic is within him to discern what the effects of this sigil are? Yes, you know exactly what it is, and it's if you don't do what you promised him, something very bad will happen to you, though you cannot ascertain what that effect is. However, you know it's not death. <laughs> That's good. It's what they do best. Is it localized just to affect Rolandir, or is it somehow tied to the whole group? That you do not know. Kind of after a few moments of discomfort walking along, Rolandir just addresses the group. All right, well, I know that wasn't ideal, but I think that was probably our best way out, pending fighting them, which honestly I was inclined to do, but I held back. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> As am I. I, I. I don't think that would have been a wise choice. I think they were a bit more powerful than they were probably letting on. Regardless, I do think it was a good point. These bandits surely must be able to move from place to place. I don't imagine there's much you can gain just by staying in one location within this wasteland, so perhaps horses, perhaps who knows. But it's worth, worth discovering, and honestly, I do agree with what I originally said. If we can't find them within an amount of time that feels like it's preventing us from getting to the Crown of Egadon. Perhaps we just carry on, and either I utilize whatever small amount of intent it would require for Sindor to perhaps pardon this blood oath. I don't even know if he can do that. Or I just suffer the consequences, but we can't let anything slow us down. Perhaps this group of marauders will not slow us down? If they have some means of transportation, horses or some such, we could do as those people ask, dispatch these bandits, take the horses, and save time. But Mark has a point. I don't know if it's going to be easier to restrain them or just kill them outright, although I don't feel as good about that solution. For the record, they did ask us to restrain them. And did they not also mention that this group has placed many traps in the forest? If we could lure them out of their stronghold and use their traps against them. That would be easier than taking them on with brute force. You and Brynir would do well enough, perhaps Mick as well, but Valmes, Lunavra, and I would be of less use than we normally are. 
Oh, I'm actually quite all right. (laughs) It's just you and I who are useless for Mark. Very well. Then you four (laughs) may storm the keep as you like. I imagine if they're the ones who place these traps, they'll be quite familiar with the locations and the workings of them. We either need to create a large enough disturbance that they're not focusing on the traps or find them and repurpose them initially. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, as well said. As you continue on your slow trek, the road widens and narrows and at some parts is completely overgrown with dying grass or is just been smeared off into the sides where there's these little embankments and after a while it starts to kind of pick up again not to the point of cobblestones and such but it is a bit better maintained the further south you move and the different forks and such that you go past and before long you start to hear what sounds like wind chimes and some creaking and as you come around with the next little bend and are working your way down you see a ways ahead of you, a small cart, a hand cart, being pulled by one man. And as you are quickly approaching, your even normal pace is much faster than he's possibly moving. You just see this old, weathered gentleman kind of mumbling and singing to himself. Wheels keep turning, oh, turning, right. And rivers. Oh! <laughs> oh! And then, with a big thunk and a big clang of these wind chimes, he sets his cart down as you've come up alongside him, and he spies the lot of you. Oh, the mock was not going to walk right up to this guy. Um, this smells like the biggest trap in the world. (laughs) So Vamak is going to kind of approach cautiously, but keep some distance. Luna will have just walked up right beside him. (laughs) I think Mick would have walked up beside him as well and had started to join in the little ditty, (laughs) moving her hands back and forth. Kind of starts humming along, and (laughs) after he drops it, Rolander was kind of hanging back, and so he's going to still hang a little bit towards the back of the cart, not necessarily right directly towards the man, but if the rest of the party's going to stop with him, he will stop, otherwise he's gonna keep moving. Well, his cart is pretty narrow. It has almost a, a roof styled after a little house that even has, like, miniature shingles. The broad side of it has a curtain with a little drawstring type thing, and the back is just filled with little odds and ends cabinets that are mismatched. And as he notices you all and Mick who is kind of bobbing along is like (laughs) fellow traveler fellow song in your heart yes Uh, what can I do for you what can an old tinker do for you why hello there so nice to see a friendly face (laughs) nowadays right Um, (laughs) my mug's nothing to look at (laughs) please don't be so Humble. (laughs) (laughs) The long pause. His, his like, weathered, tanned, leathery face just creaks as he he gives you a wide, cracked smile. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Just passing by, really. Me and my company, of course. Trying to avoid trouble, if you know what I mean. And Mick will wink at him. 
he'll give a little laugh as he kind of steps out from under the little bar that he was holding for his wagon, hoists himself back up, and then leans against it. Uh, trouble, yes, trouble on the roads these days, always trouble. <laughs> well, company you keep is interesting, to say the very least. Tell me, well, why do you find yourselves on these roads in these trying times? Travelers such as yourselves... I'll say, first and foremost, you're not the only band of, well, a, a, a mixed sight that I've seen here. Men and kin these days are more alike than they are different, I'd say. <laughs> uh, the profession of war, yes, the profession of war makes most equal. What a beautiful sentiment. I couldn't agree more. And on that, I think we should be going, Rolandir says <laughs> from the back of the cart. <laughs> Nonsense. So quick to come and quick to leave, are you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> While all of this is happening, Vimak is like scanning the trees. He's looking around. He's trying to see if there's anybody else, if there's any traps, anything, because he does not like one lone old guy pulling a hand cart in the middle of like nowhere. And being so comfortable talking to everyone. Roll perception. Brynir is also being very wary and being very vigilant about what's going on. Vimak got a 25. You don't see anything out of the ordinary. The surrounding forests are quiet. There's a small rustling in the trees, just of the wind and such. The sky, honestly, ever since the sun rose, has just been this kind of dappled orange, a bit of an eerie color, and it hasn't changed for hours. And as this man, this self-pronounced tinker, looks at a lot of you, and especially after Rolandir's curt comments, he turns toward Mick and says, But we were having such a nice conversation, I felt... Off to a good start. I didn't even... I didn't even... <laughs> and he turns and he pulls a little drawstring and the curtain rolls up. Rolandier's hand goes so quickly to the hilt of his sword. He doesn't draw it, but he's... <laughs> and it, it looks like it's just dozens and dozens of little, little drawers like stacked on top of each other. He pulls one out and he takes out this little... What looks like maybe a mushroom or something. He says, "No, this, this, this will cure any ailment. I swear it. Should it afflict your feet, that is, any other part of the body, completely useless." And he puts it back and he shoves the drawer in, and then he takes out another one and he has this like little. It looks like a like a lock of hair, and he's like, "Do you know where I got this from? Do you know where I got this from?" Of course we do not. <laughs> of course you don't, <laughs> because it's from the king of the Elvkin. <laughs> uh -huh. That's right. <laughs> Off the top of his scaly head. And he puts it back and he shuts the drawer. Now I've got a million and one things I can show and sell you. Surely and you must be in need of something. Too, too many. Surely you must be needing something, young man. Do, uh, do not do anything to harm this man. <laughs> do you know where the bandits are in the area? I'm getting a lot of things all at once. Please, one at a time. What we need is a safe passage. And it's been lovely speaking to you, but really we should be on our way. I appreciate your generosity. Um, perhaps... Oh, well then this. And he, he takes out a little drawer and he pulls out a little, like, bronze coin that has a square-shaped hole in the middle and he holds it out to Mick. Oh, this will give you good fortune on the road, says the mayor. You yourself would know. 
You know, if we if we just walked away, I do think we could outrun him. <laughs> you say loudly in front of this guy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Val doesn't care. R- R- as soon as Val says that, Rolandier just takes off at a brisk walk down the road. <laughs> as Vamok looks at this guy, since he has his eyeballs back, I mean, he always had his eyeballs. Well, <laughs> since his eyeballs can now see again, um, and I can use the Eldritch Invocation that I forgot about, uh, Witch Sight, is there anything funky going on with this guy? Is he, like, shapeshifted or illusion magic or something? Is he not what he seems? He is an old tinker with a handcart of junk. <laughs> yeah. I think that's worthy of death, but what? <laughs> no, 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 no. Push him off the cliff. He's pretty close. We are walking swiftly away. Vivant comes up with a dagger. I heard these are better for stabbing. <laughs> <laughs> so Rolander's gone. Who else is gone? Val is waiting to herd everyone else away from the situation. Do you know where the bandits are? Bandage? What bandage? The ones southwest of here. Oh, uh, there are probably bandits southwest of here. There are probably bandits southeast of here. There are probably you know bandits what? northeast of here. There are probably bandits northwest of here. There are probably bandits north of here. There are probably bandits south of here. There are probably bandits south southwest of here. There are probably bandits south southeast of here. Let's go. <laughs> At this point, Val will sort of like put his arms out and begin to herd everyone forward down the road who is not currently moving. Mick has suspected this, but she's also very curious about this old man and will say, good luck, hmm? Oh, please, I implore you. I uh, Free of charge. Luck indeed. Here. And he will flick the coin to you. Can't hurt. And Mick will grab it. We'll actually bite it a little bit to see if it's real. <laughs> it's bronze, so it, I mean, I'm just, nice and hard just for you. <laughs> you only do that with gold. <laughs> That's bronze, all right. I was thinking maybe he cut the bronze with a bit of gold. It would have made it softer. So you. <laughs> but that's pure bronze. That's Mick. Will, I think Mick will do that kind of in a playful manner towards this guy and then we'll put that in his satchel. Keep that close at hand. Should you need it, well, luck will find you. I trust that it will. Thank you. And and best of luck to you, sir. Thank you. Oh, I just gave all my luck away to this fine madam here. I've none left. Well, your generosity is unparalleled. Everyone, we we are going now. (laughs) (laughs) Rolandier is like 60 feet down the road Mick will probably look back and twiddle her fingers towards the old man as a friendly gesture goodbye Luna who's walking hurriedly to catch up to Val is like you seem a bit agitated by him what's what's going on I mean quite frankly we don't have time does anyone else not find that strange oh absolutely we come back and now the world is in upheaval. We are set upon by marauding bands that have placed traps and roads are deserted. And yet amidst all of the potential danger, there is still one lone old man peddling his wares on a path that is frequented by bandits. What is that coin that he gave you? All of his good luck, supposedly. 
think of it as this, Vabak. Perhaps he's just a friend in disguise. Would you be able to tell? I would think of it as this. Perhaps he is an enemy in disguise. Would you be able to tell? You know what? Why don't you have a look at this? It's it's concerning you more than it is me, obviously. And Mick will take out of her satchel the coin of good luck, supposedly, and will hand it over to Babak if he wishes to inspect it. As you make the motion to hand it over to Vamok, there is this kind of, like, feeling. It's like, oh, you really shouldn't do that. Like, you, this coin is for you, type thing. On second thought, Mick will actually bring the coin back into her hands. As Mick is bringing the coin back, Vamok is going to reach out and try to grab her arm. Please, for the love, what are you doing? We just became friends again, kind of. <laughs> Mick, it is because of that friendship that I do this. Relinquish the coin to me. I do not think it is good that any of us have it. Can't you inspect it without taking it from me? Very well. Mick, if you could open your hand and show me the coin. Is there a reason you would not want to give it up? I have this inkling that perhaps this is good luck, and it was meant for me, and me only. But if it pleases you, Vamak, I will allow you to inspect it visually, and Mick will open up her hand so that you can see the coin. As she does this, Luna, a bit exasperated, is just going to be like... We just went on about how we're wasting time and we don't have time to sit around and talk about old men and peddlers and whatnot and get on with bandits. And here we are interrogating Mick on the roadside. Look, if anything, he was an old holdout from a world that honestly is the one we should be trying to save. Sorry if that's a bit too ideal for you. Idealistic. To be perfectly honest, I think it would be best if we kept moving. Can we inspect and walk? Very well. The mark? Fine. Let us move forward. And he will start walking, but he does want to try a little little test. As he's looking at the coin, he's going to just quickly like reach his hand towards it and just like see what happens. See if he can grab it out of Mick's palm. Mick's hand just clasps around the coin and moves swiftly out of your way, like even without her trying. And Mick says, you're going to have to be faster than that. And Mick will actually <laughs> kind of toy again and open up her hand. <laughs> Mickey, how about we make this perhaps more interesting? If you can keep hold of the coin with your eyes closed, then I will give you, I don't know, whatever you want, a hug or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very big price. <laughs> but you must keep your eyes closed. Mick looks delighted on her face and says, oh, this used to be an even fair match. I guess you have the advantage now. And Mick will oblige and will close her eyes and keep her hand out. Vamak is going to try to grab the coin. And Mick's fingers don't even need to curl around it as she just kind of moves her hand right out of the way. And you grasp nothing but air. Immediately after that, Vamok's going to try to grab it again. And then she <laughs> grasps the coin and her hand goes behind her back. I see. Okay. Mick, 
Please hold out your other hand now. What kind of charade is this? I will this? give you two hugs. <gasps> of course. <laughs> of course. And Nick will roll down both hands now. <laughs> and Vamak will just go and just gently just like try to touch the empty hand. Unless Mick moves her hand, you touch it. Interesting. Very well, Mick. The game is up. I could not get the coin. I will give you your hugs whenever you wish. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't look super happy about it. But. Oh, don't you worry. I will pick an opportune moment for those. And Mick will continue on. Did, did anybody see that? Did anybody see the whole... like? Oh, Val was absolutely watching that. So yeah. Bryn, you saw it as well. Rolander so did Luna. not. Okay. He's still plenty far ahead of the group, <laughs> fuming. Now, I would hope that that exercise demonstrated that that is not an ordinary coin, and that was not an ordinary man. But I don't know how that demonstrated anything of the sort. And Luna just throws up her hands and is going to start walking off toward Rolander. Well, mess. <laughs> Do you agree? Please. Oh, Vamak, please, if you were a little kinder no, 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 to the no, man. No, no. Hang on. I've was addressed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay, pal. I just saying. <laughs> I agree with you, Vamak. Certainly, it is not an ordinary coin. It has some sort of strange reeks of a curse to me. I don't know exactly how extreme that is. To be honest, I think that this is probably creating more conflict than it is worth. Perhaps that is its purpose. Luna calls over her shoulder back at the four of you. Brynir, Rolander could use some help scouting ahead. Could you hurry it up? And Val... And then she just... Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> wow, everybody is so testy right now. I know, this coin has made us angry. Leave it to the old man <laughs> to bring out the children in all of us. As everybody else starts going about doing their stuff, Vamok is just going to kind of grumble and drop it for now. As everyone moves ahead, Mick whether by her own will or not, finds herself at the back of the group, kind of just humming a skip in your step. And as you're looking out at your compadres in front of you, Val and Vamok, funnily almost walking side by side, <laughs> you feel a little tingle in your palm. And as you look down at the coin, you just hear in your head, good show, madame. Let's look out for those two in the future. No need to get mixed up with them. 